Hello and welcome to Tech Talk, an Eisner Hamper podcast. I'm your East Coast host, Fritz Spencer, a professional with the technology and life sciences practice at Eisner Hamper. And with me today is very special guest, Jordan Walker, co-founder of Yak. Jordan became an entrepreneur right out of the gate of university and from my own hometown of Jacksonville, Florida. Today we'll be discussing Jordan's journey of entrepreneurship, the dog and pony show that is fundraising and selling, and current events surrounding the Silicon Valley Bank collapse. Today's conversation may give you a new perspective and influence your next business decision. Jordan, it's great to have you here. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, man, I am so pumped to be part of this conversation. It's so good to see you. Uh, Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how your entrepreneurial journey began and kind of where it's taken you? Yeah, for sure. My name is Jordan Walker. I run a company called Yak, Y-A-C, and it's for yelling across cubicles. So that's where we're kind of at today. But I think like Fritz, you just mentioned there, the backstory is actually more interesting. So I've been an entrepreneur as long as I can remember, even when I was as little in first grade, trying to sell whatever I could. At one point I was selling beer on the golf course in first grade to any golfers that came by to try to, to try to make a buck. When my mom found out quickly, shut down that operation. I then, you know, of course, sports cards on growing up and everything else in between. But when I met, got to college, I ended up meeting my co-founder Hunter, who you know very well as well. And we just kind of instantly jived and clicked. We started talking about everything from technology to design, to entrepreneurship, to music, and just all these things that we loved. And at the time, he actually had a company coming into college as a t-shirt company or a clothing company. And so I helped him with that a little bit. And then shortly after uh, our freshman year, shortly into our freshman year, I should say, we ended up starting our first company together, which was a, which was a design agency. And so we got some local traction in Jacksonville, uh, fortunately, and that kind of sent us into the next sort of realm of, of clients and customers that we got to take on. Even working really, with really awesome people like Google, Margaritaville, Emirates, Marriott. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And through that, actually, we realized that we sucked at marketing in the traditional sense. And so, meaning we were never going to be the ones to go out and be really crafty with how we position this certain thing or do this certain thing. But what we were really good at is being kids on the internet and trying to go viral and gain an attention. And so, what we would actually do to garner new clients for SoFriendly, uh, the design agency, is actually build these products in hopes that they would go viral. And so, we would build things like meme generators, other useful products, and really anything else that we kind of thought of at the time that would maybe solve our own problem or was just funny or interesting to us. And so we had shipped a few of these before and they'd, they'd certainly done the job. People find the product, they wonder who built it, then they find our agency and the referral loop kind of works that way, or kind of worked that way at the time. The one though that became really different was Yak. Yak was just absolutely wild how it kind of came together. Yak was one of these side projects that we put out. But when we put it out, the response was different for people. It went bananas. We put it out, you know, these random people from Florida. And and I guess too, this was before remote work was cool, right? So nobody gave a crap about Florida at this at this point in time, uh, as far as the tech world goes. So we put out this really early, early, early version of Yak. And long story short, it just went bananas. We ended up getting a wait list of three thousand people or three thousand teams, I should say from folks like CVS, Barstool Sports, Lyft, Uber, Spotify, every company that you could name. And we're sitting here going, oh my gosh, like there's like something to this thing. So we, we kept pursuing it for a little while longer. And then, you know, lo and behold, one random day on Twitter, the power of being on the internet, one of the users of Yak mentions VC Titan, Adam Draper, son of Tim Draper, OG Silicon Valley uh, venture capitalist on Twitter and says, hey, I think you would really like what the Yak guys are doing. Check it out. Within five minutes, Adam DMs his cell phone number. We get on a call with him and mind you, we're like 
you know, little kids on a birthday at this point in time. We've never talked to a venture capitalist before. And here we are talking probably to one of the most powerful, biggest VCs, maybe even people in the entire world, uh, sitting in a hotel room in Las Vegas. Long story short, Adam says, hey, I want to fund this thing. And we haven't looked back and we can talk more about the fundraising details, but that's kind of our backstory in, you know, a few minutes and super grateful to be here. Great. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. It's, it's nice to see a fresh new face on the tech world uh, coming out of you know college and all the new different things that you guys wanted to just take everything and run with it. Um, you mentioned Yak a few times and, and kind of what you guys were building. But why don't you tell us exactly what it is? Kind of give us the elevator pitch for Yak and its product or services. Yeah. So Yak at its core is an asynchronous voice messaging app for remote teams and freelancers. So imagine you have a team that's distributed even across local time zones here in the U.S., it's really hard to find common time to meet. You know, if you're on PST and someone's on EST time, there's a three hour difference. Maybe someone's picking up the kids from school. Maybe somebody has an appointment. It's really hard to find that common ground to meet. And so with Yak, you can actually just record a voice message or a screen or recording of your screen, send it off to the person. They can watch it at their own time and then they can respond back, uh, you know, as appropriate. Awesome. So it's real time, but not real time. Right. Real time, but not real time. You can think of it like sending a voice message on like iMessage on your iPhone or something like that, or sending an email. It just has more context and nuance than, you know, some sort of other forms of communication might. Awesome. It's great to, great to know. So as you mentioned, you've taken your company and other entrepreneurial journeys through many life cycles, including fundraising. And with no two companies or projects being the same, can you tell us about that process and what it was like, like how you met Mr. Draper and went through that whole fundraising process? Yeah, for sure. So there's a couple stages and I think each is so unique and we can talk about each really quick. So the first round of funding that we received from, uh, you know, Adam Draper was our pre-seed round of funding. And so in total, that was $275,000 and we raised that from Adam Draper and then another fund out of New York called Betaworks Ventures. And so they took that really, really early bet on us. And we were really grateful for that because at the time, like I had mentioned, no one was invested in Florida companies as much as they are now, right? This was pre-pandemic, pre-remote work. Nobody thought anybody was doing anything interesting in Florida. And it was even kind of like a negative signal at that point. People saw that you weren't really from New York or Silicon Valley, you instantly kind of got written off. This was late 2018, early 2019, like Christmas time, if you will. Christmas time, New Year's time uh, is when we got connected with these folks. And so the round ended up coming together, but we were really a needle in the haystack with the kind of how that funding came together. You just never heard of things like happen, happening like that. And at that time, there's truly only a handful of companies I could count on one hand that got, you know, venture funded, significant venture funding, I should say, from, from places like that. What gets interesting is actually our second round of funding, our seed round of funding. And so we had gotten some momentum and started to get our names up there a little bit by proxy of Betaworks and Adam investing in our company. But still, we still had the Florida the Florida thing hanging over our heads, if you will. And so fast forward to December of 2019, we're trying to raise our seed round. We were getting written off by everybody. I mean, it was the hardest thing in the, in the entire world. Folks from Silicon Valley weren't giving us the time of day. Folks from New York and even all over the place weren't giving us the time of day because we were these random unknown entities with no sexy backgrounds building a company out of Florida. And, you know, obviously, Fritz, we went to the same college, go Ospreys, we love UNF, but UNF's not exactly... Harvard or Yale or Princeton or any of these really prestigious schools that people think you need to attend to in, in order to be successful. So that was a challenge that we had to face. Uh, but the story gets even crazier. After probably hundreds of calls, we find, and this is at the top of December 2020, we finally, I should say, think we lock in one VC who's going to lead our, our, our seed round. 
Uh, it was going to be about a $3 million round. They were going to basically take up the whole thing. In about two weeks before Christmas, I'll never forget, we're in the car. It's a Friday. We're leaving the office. We had a call from the guy. So he goes, hey, you know, you guys, you guys free to talk for a sec? And I could just tell by his tone, you know, everybody knows. You talk to someone, you can just tell from their tone instantly. It's just going to be a bad conversation. So he goes, yeah, so I got a question for you guys. Are you moving to San Francisco or like, what's the, what's the plan? We're like, well, no, like we're building a remote company and a remote tool. Like we need to be what we say we are. We're not moving to San Francisco. Also, we're all from the East Coast. Like that, like nobody has any connections out there to San Francisco. And at the time, like we had team members with kids and wives and families and husbands, things like this. Like it just wasn't easy to go to San Francisco. So we said no uh, on this call. And then he goes, yeah, you know, like that's what I thought. So with that, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to do the deal. So they backed out. So mind you, Friday afternoon, two weeks before Christmas, we're basically running out of money at this point. And we're like, well, as Yak, as quickly as Yak came together, it, it, it died and it's gone, right? So we're, we're, we're thinking this the, the whole time. So what we actually ended up doing gets, gets crazy. So it was either do or die time, right? It was either get, find the funding or, you know, shut this thing down and, and move on and get on with life, go back to the agency. But we said is we're, we're going to give it a real honest effort to find funding. And so this is where I got creative. And this is kind of some of the insider knowledge that you don't really hear about, but work really well. And I would encourage a lot of founders listening to try to emulate themselves is we actually went to Twitter to find these VCs. And so what I quickly realized is that a lot of venture capitalists get just the most insane pitches in their inbox every day. And it's very much so ask, 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 and not engaging someone like a real human. But what I learned very quickly is that like these VCs, they're all just real people like you and I. They all love sports. They all hang out with their families. They all go do fun things, like just like you and I do. Like they're not these people to be revered as like a god, if you were some you know crazy figure. They're people just like you and I. And so what I ended up doing is I would find these VCs on Twitter and I DM'd as many as I could something about themselves not related to our company. Right. So I would say, oh, hey, I like your podcast or hey, like I saw you like sneakers. Hey, I saw you just posted about this song. Oh, you're from this state. And so the one that ended up actually working for us was the guy who ended up eventually leading our seed round. I saw that he was a Virginia Tech football fan just by and by random happenstance. One of my friends from high school went to go play football at Virginia Tech. I am not remotely a Virginia Tech football fan. I, I don't think I've ever watched one of their games or something like that. But I said, hey, I see that you like Virginia Tech football. One of my friends happens to play there. What a small world. That's crazy. And for two weeks, Fritz, two weeks, we talked about Virginia Tech football before Yak funding or anything like that even came up. Eventually, he said, hey, this thing Yak that you're working on, that looks really interesting. What is it? So we ended up having a conversation about it. We did a call. He flew out to us. We did a round of Top Golf uh, that following weekend. Uh, talk, went over deals and things like that. I think I actually won. I think I have a photo of it on my phone that we'll have to talk about after the fact. So... That, that was nice too, right? And from there then, he actually ended up leading the deal and we ended up doing a $1.5 million seed round. And so that was just great for us because the company was going to die, you know, and it was just kind of this really triumphant story. And we ended up doing a bunch of press around it, you know, TechCrunch and a million other places. And it was, it really kind of set us apart. It was like, okay, wow, we should, have, people were like, wow, we should actually start paying attention to this company from Florida. They did something different for their fundraising strategy. It's out of Florida and it's like being written about in the, you know, the, the, the top of the top tech news. Like this is just, this has never happened before. And this is all pre-remote work, pre-COVID, pre-pandemic. And so it was just extra interesting for folks. And we gained a lot of attention that way. And then, you know, next thing that we knew, we, you know, so we 
closed the funding. We hired people, finished out the products, got a re- to a really good place. And I, I kid you not, the week before we launched, uh, the world officially was declared a pandemic. Everybody went into, you know, kind of lockdown and things like that. And if you look at our analytics at that time, because everybody started, you know, looking for tools for support remote work, working from home and things of that nature. Our analytics, we were, you know, just like, and then just like skyrocketed, right? Everybody was searched for Yak at once. Then before we knew it, Yak was one of the most popular startups in the entire world at this point. We're going, well, okay, like we're still these random folks from Florida. What's happening? We're getting mentioned, you know, everywhere. Fast Company at one point did an article. We're the number one productivity app of 2020 or something crazy like that. So it was just a skyrocket whirlwind of adventures. And then kind of the last piece to mention here about funding, sorry, I know I'm going on for a while, but randomly that summer then Slack, I guess now Salesforce, but Slack, uh, actually, uh, we got connected with and they said, Hey, we want to invest in you guys. And at the time we weren't fundraising, you know, we had just closed that seed round a few months later, we didn't, we didn't need the funding, but when Slack comes to you and says, Hey, we want to give you half a million dollars, <laughs> you don't say no to those guys. So we t- ended up taking the additional funding from Slack did an announcement about that too. And then I think that just put us into a whole new cat category of uh, kind of notoriety that just went ballistics, you know, Slack invested in this company, who are these people, what's going on? You know, it, it, it just broke kind of the internet for a day. And then from there, we were able to raise a, a series A, which was about a $10 million round. And we've got some of the best investors in the world on our cap table. So that's my funding story, uh, kind of long, but a little crazy. Wow. No, you need every second of that story, Jordan. That is an amazing story. So you went through all this process, you went through all this funding, you got all this cash, and then where do you put it? Hopefully not an SVB, but that's where I want to segue to next. So you've got all that financing and with all the recent events surrounding Silicon Valley Bank and how they focused on startups and startups like yourself, can you speak to how maybe you or some of your colleagues were affected by that? Yeah, so I can. So fortunately, we... uh Early on, we, we divvied up banks. Silicon Valley Bank used to be our primary provider. Shortly uh, or later, we ended up switching over to Brex and now has diversified in the, in the JP Morgan Chase as well. But we did have a, a very, very, very small position in SVB. So we were affected you know, a little bit there. It was, it was somewhere for a little bit. Small position, small position, but still money that you just evaporated and you were concerned about. What I can speak to more though, is that we had some friends who were not diversified in where they hold their assets. And Silicon Valley was their main provider. And I'm talking tens of millions of dollars just evaporated, you know, like that. And these folks were truly terrified. People were wondering, how am I going to make payroll? How are people going to, you know, pay us? You know, can the company survive? Like what is going on? There was a true panic in the startup world because people just had, you know, millions of dollars just gone like that. And even for us, we felt some second and third order effects from it. People not being able to pay their invoices on time, people churning, because at that point, when you have no money, you're not concerned about, hey, am I going to pay my vendors, my service providers like Yak or Backtrack? They're concerned about, hey, am I going to be able to make payroll or just generally, where is the money? Where are these things happening? And so that seven to 10 days was really scary for a lot of people because people weren't getting paid. And there was really no resolution during that weekend of just like, hey, what's going to happen? And then I think maybe even worse in a sense as well is after the fact, everybody's sitting on pins and needles wondering, okay, well, what bank's going to collapse next? What's what's going on next? Like, you know, is my money safe here? Is my money safe there? Because there was also wind talk of other of bank runs happening at other, these other locations. And so I think even now people are still a little nervous, but at that point in time, it was really, really scary for a lot of people. People weren't getting paid and it was just kind of the wild west there for a little bit. 
Yeah, it was it was an absolute fire drill from what I could see on on all sides of the of the table. And I, I hope that you had some trusted advisors that would have helped you through assessing the risks, even though you weren't, you know, you didn't have a concentration risk with SVB. Some of your friends, as you said, did. Can you maybe shed some light on some of the guidance that you or some of your friends received during that? Yeah. So the thing was also in our case, it was when we talked to our investors, it's, hey, let's make sure that our assets are covered and then we have assets not in just in one place. The general advice was, hey, like get your money out and diversify it as fast as possible. That was kind of the common advice in the startup land. Never keep all your eggs in one basket. That's for sure. Thanks for that. Shedding some light on that. Now, I'd like to wrap up with one question that we always include in our tech talks. And it's because we believe that conversations are the foundation of successful companies. So lastly, I would love to know what's one conversation that you've had that continues to influence you? Oh man, that is such a good question. I'm, for what it's worth, I'm stealing this question going forward when I, when I talk to other folks. What's one conversation that really stands with me? I mean, there's a couple, but I'm going to talk about one that happened pretty recently. We were actually out in San Francisco uh, seeing Adam Draper. And he gave us like three points to really, really kind of focus on. And they're very like obvious when you think, when you say them out loud, but like it really makes you think a little bit. So the first point was fear is the dream killer, right? So if you're scared of things, you're, you're tentative or you're holding back, that is a way to kill your dreams, right? You may not go for something. You may not take that risk. You may not take that chance when it's something that you may need to be doing. Uh, second point he made was explore the edges of the edges of the map. And so what he meant by that is that there's so many possibilities, so many stones unturned that you should take the time to go turn over these stones, right? Go explore. Hey, how is somebody using your product? Go check that out. Go, go try that audience or, Hey, just like see what else is out there because there's just so much that we don't know or see on our, our regular day-to-day -day basis. And then third, I really like it. And it's very on brand for him. He says, be the cockroach. And so what he means by that is that as a startup survive by any means, right? Be resilient, be fast, be stealthy, be out of the way. Like, do what you got to do to survive, right? Because cockroaches, I think, you know, can survive quite literally anything. So be the cockroach, especially in kind of in this environment right now, this bear market that we're in, you know, keep your costs low, build a great product, build a great business and, and survive. It's the name of the game. So I'd say that's a conversation that had probably, it's probably been really on my mind as of recent. It sounds like you guys have had some several great conversations, and that is such a funny way to, to end this podcast with be a cockroach. If I could end every podcast with that line, it would be a, it'd be a funny day. Well, listen, Jordan, I want to thank you for taking the time to have this conversation with me today. It was an absolute pleasure having you, and we hope to have you back on sometime again. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This was a blast, and I will talk to you soon, brother. Thanks, man. Of course, of course. And a special thanks to our listeners for tuning into Tech Talk. We would love to hear your thoughts and feedback on today's episode. So please leave us a review, hit the like button, but most importantly, subscribe to stay up to date with the latest here at Tech Talk. I'm your East Coast host, Fritz Spencer, and I look forward to seeing you next time here on Eisner Ampers Tech Talk.